Thank you for listening to the New Covenant Fellowship weekly podcast. We hope you're enjoying the messages. Unfortunately, we experienced unexpected technical difficulties this Sunday, which resulted in a very poor quality recording. Nevertheless, we would still like to make the message available to you, but we ask your forgiveness for the poor quality recording. The technical issues have since been resolved, and we expect to return to our high-quality audio performance next week. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy the message. Right. How many of you guys are excited about Christmas? Okay, well, good. Well, can someone tell me, what does Christmas mean to you? Love. Say that again? Love. It means love? Okay, what else? Jesus' birthday. Okay. Anybody else want to tell me what Christmas means to you? Peace. Keith? Say that louder. Peace. Peace. All right. Anybody else? Okay. What is your favorite thing about Christmas? Presents. That's mine too, by the way. How about you, Jay? God's birthday. God's birthday. All right. Family. Getting to see family. Anybody else? We got some way over there. Favorite thing about Christmas? Food. Yeah. <laughs> hey, can someone tell me your very favorite Christmas present that you've received so far? Trampoline. Trampoline? A dog. A dog, nice. Love from parents. Love from parents. Ooh. A phone. A phone? You got a phone. Wow. Black black puppy. A black black puppy. Nice. Anybody else? One of your favorite Christmas presents that you got. Anybody else get a favorite Christmas present? Okay, what about what about the craziest Christmas present you've ever got? Anybody get a crazy one? Underwear. Toy car remote control. Okay, that's pretty cool. Anybody else? A crazy Christmas present that you've received. And maybe it was at school, you know, if you guys exchange gifts and you got something kind of strange or crazy. Anybody else? Keith, you got something? A book? Is that crazy and strange? <laughs> okay, another question. What was your favorite Christmas present that, you, that you've given somebody? Your favorite present that you gave to somebody? Mm-hmm. TV? Uh, stuffed animal puppy. A stuffed animal puppy. Shoes. Shoes. A dinghy. A what? A dinghy. It's a type of dog. Okay, I'm glad you told me that. <laughs> Anybody else? What was your favorite gift that you've given somebody? Money. <laughs> so you've given money to somebody? Okay, nice. I need to get on your Christmas list. Yeah. <laughs> yes, over here. Um, my parents' hugs. Your parents' hugs. Nice. I need to get on your list too. Anybody else? Your favorite gift that you've ever given to somebody? Anybody? Let me ask you this last one. Maybe your parents are listening. What are you hoping to get for Christmas this year? All right, Keith. Paintball gun. A what? Paintball gun. Paintball gun. Nice. 
adopt us and tell us to stay over there. Like, okay, you're mine, but you stay over there. It says he brings us close to himself. God delights in being close to you and I. Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray, this is Paul praying for the church. He says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. You realize that God, what he gets, gets excited about is inheriting you, is gaining you. You know, when you, you're looking forward to on Christmas morning, you're hoping that you get to open these wonderful presents, maybe a coupon that says no more chores for the rest of your life or something like that, <laughs> or a remote control car, and you get excited about what you get, right? God is excited about you. He's excited about inheriting, having a relationship with you and with me. And here's one of my favorite verses. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, because of the joy awaiting Jesus, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Now I'm going to read that same verse in the Passion Translation, Hebrews 12, 2. It says, we look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. Check this out. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his he endured the agony of the cross and conquered his humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Now we know, many of us know the story of when Jesus went to the cross. Before he went to the cross, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he had his disciples there with him and he was praying and he was in agony. And the Bible says that he was so stressed out that it said his sweat became like drops of blood. Now that's not a metaphor. There is, a, there is a, a medical condition, I forget what it's called, where a person can come under so much stress that they begin to sweat blood. I mean, you can imagine the kind of stress you would have to be under for that. And when Jesus was doing it, he was going to the Father, and he said, Father, if, it's, if there's any other way for this plan to go down, let's talk about it right now. Him and the Father had planned on him going to the cross, so that we could have a relationship with God. But the reality of that was about Jesus was facing that. And I believe it wasn't just the pain that he was about to go through. It wasn't just the pain of the cross and the nails and all that kind of stuff. But for the very first time, Jesus was about to experience something that he never experienced before. Jesus and his father were about to be separated. They were about to be separated. Because he was about to take sin upon himself. And God was going to have to reject it because God cannot have sin in his presence. That's why on the cross when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Remember that? Why have you forsaken me? It's like God turned his back on Jesus. And for the first time in, in history, eternity for past and eternity in the future, him and the father were separated for the very first time. And I believe when he was in the garden, that's what he was agonizing over. He didn't know what it was going to be like to be totally separated from his father. 
But he said, Father, not my will, but your will. Even though I really don't want to go through this separation, I'm willing to do it because it's your plan. And the Bible says that because of him knowing that he was going to get you, he was willing to endure that kind of suffering. He was willing to do it. Jesus was thinking in 2017, he was going to get to have a relationship with you. And because he knew that was a, a possibility, he was willing to go to the cross and suffer that kind of humiliation. Isn't that amazing? So whose birthday are we celebrating? Jesus. Jesus. Now we know that he wasn't necessarily born on December 25th, but we traditionally celebrate his birthday that we call Christmas. Have you ever thought to ask Jesus, what do you want for Christmas? You know, we ask everybody else, honey, what would you like for Christmas? Children, child, son, what would you like for Christmas? We're asking everybody else, do you ever ask Jesus what he wants for Christmas? You know, I think, you know, a lot of things we struggle with, a lot of things we do and we don't do. And we, we you know, we say, you know, Jesus, I, I give you my cigarettes, or I give you my gossip, or I give you my whatever it is that you know that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing. Or, you know what, Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to church more often. I'm going to do a better job coming to church. I'm going to do a better job at this and this. And, and we're offering him these things. But I'm thinking since it's his birthday, we shouldn't tell him what we're going to give him. We should ask him what he wants. And you know what he wants more than your cigarettes, your alcohol, your gossip, your whatever? He wants you. He just wants you. Because of the, the joy of knowing that he had an opportunity to have a relationship with you, he was willing to go to the cross. You know, I don't have time to talk about all the things like what makes Jesus different than all the other religious leaders. You know, because people say, you know, I even had, a, I had a lunch with a man a week or so ago. And he was saying basically all religions lead to the same God. You know, just different paths and everything. And that's, that's a philosophy that's out there that people believe. We don't have time to talk about all that. We don't have time to talk about the fact that, that Jesus is the only religious leader who said, I'm not going to show you how to get to God. I am God. You know, all the religious leaders have ways to get to God, but Jesus said, I am. And you know, he was the one who was not, not killed for what he did. He was killed for who he was. You realize that? Jesus said, I am God. And he was killed because of that, because the religious leaders considered that blasphemy. And so they killed him because of who he was. We don't have time to talk about all that. And we don't have time to talk about what makes Jesus different than all the other religious leaders. The fact that you can still visit their tomb, but Jesus is the only one that has an empty tomb. I mean, anybody can die, right? I mean, we're all going to die. But Jesus said, kill me, and three days later, I'm coming back. None of the other religious leaders made that claim. And maybe they did. They could say, kill me, I'll be raised up. But none of them ever were. And do you realize 
thinking of this logically, there is more evidence pertaining to the resurrection of Jesus Christ than any other historical event in history. I'll say that one more time. There's more evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ than any other event in history. And one other thing, Jesus was the only religious leader that fulfilled prophecy. There were, there were over 270, 300 something prophecies that talk about the Messiah. And Jesus fulfilled all of them. And I want to tell you one interesting fact. That if, because someone could say, well, Jesus coincidentally fulfilled all those prophecies. In other words, he saw, you know what, the Bible says this about the Messiah, so I'm going to line my life up. No, excuse me, wrong illustration. He, that someone says that maybe he just coincidentally fulfilled those prophecies. Well, some statisticians and some scientists, they got together and they said, what would the probability be of someone accidentally fulfilling only eight? Eight of those prophecies, coincidentally. They said it would be the same number as one times 10 to the 157th power. That means a one with 157 zeros behind it. It's a lot of zeros, right? You mean like a dollar sign in front of that number? But the chance of someone coincidentally fulfilling eight prophecies is one times 10 to the 157th power. To give you an illustration of what that number looks like, it would be like you taking the state of Texas and getting silver dollars and filling the state of Texas with that many silver dollars. It would fill the state of Texas two foot deep. And then for someone to coincidentally or accidentally fulfill all eight of those prophecies, it would be like you blindfolding somebody, standing them on the border, the Texas-Oklahoma border, blindfolding them and saying, okay, you mark one of the dollars with an X, and you place it somewhere in Texas, Amarillo, Dallas, Waco, Roxahatchee. You know, you place it somewhere in Texas, you stir it up, you go to the person and blindfold them, and you say, okay, you have one chance to find that silver dollar. Go. That's the same probability of Jesus fulfilling those eight prophecies coincidentally. Now remember, Jesus fulfilled over 200. 200. What's the point? The point is, if we're talking about who's worthy to follow, I think it would be the one that God highlighted. See, religion is about man trying to make his or her way to God. Christianity is about God making his way down to man. And saying, I want to have a relationship with you. I created you. You are my prized possession. So Jesus, what do you want for Christmas? And he says, I want you for Christmas. The best gift ever is you. Is you. I want to read one more verse. And I don't want you to uh, misunderstand me. I want to read the verses. It's Acts chapter 17, verse 24 and 25. It says, Now he is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs. For he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and God satisfies every need. 
So we're not talking about God needing you or me. See, God doesn't need us. God desires to have a relationship with us. He desires. So my question to you is, we're celebrating Jesus' birthday. So how many of us are willing to give him what he wants for Christmas? How many of you would be willing to say, Jesus, I give you me today? And what that means is, what I mean by that is, I'm giving my life to you. From this day, December 24, 2017, from this day forward, Jesus, I give my life to you. It can mean that, or it can mean, well, I remember a long time ago I gave my life to Jesus, but these last number of years, it's been all about me. But Jesus, today, December 24, 2017, I'm giving my life back to you. So it can mean those two things. Or it can mean the third thing. Jesus, I've given you my life. I've been walking with you. But you and I know, both know that there's parts of me that I have not given to you. Today is the day that I give it all. I serve it all to you. Now, if you desire to stand in one of those three categories, giving your life to Jesus for the first time, giving your life back to Jesus because maybe you took it away from him, or even holding back certain parts of his life, I'm done, I'm yours. If you'd be willing to stand with me right now, I'm going to pray for you. to Jesus today. I'm going to ask you to stand. Go ahead and stand right now and I'm going to pray for you. Okay. Anybody else? Would you repeat after me as we pray? Dear Jesus, Thank you so much for dying for me and being willing to forgive me and offering me a relationship with you and the Father. I give my life to you. I give all of my life to you from this day forward. I am yours. to Jesus, if you would stand up. If you've already given your life to Jesus, I'm asking you to stand up. If you're already a Christian, I'll ask you to stand up. If you're understanding my question. If you love Jesus,
You know, we hear the story of, from a lot of people, I gave my life to Jesus when I was five, seven, nine, ten, and then there's a lot of years of, it's all about me, and then as an adult, I give my life back to Jesus, is what I'm talking about. Well, I want to pray and declare over them that they don't have those wandering years. That they're already, they belong to Jesus, and from this point forward, they're going to sell out, be sold out, the rest of the days of their lives. Amen? Anybody agree with me on that? All right, so I'm just going to pray over you guys, okay? Father, I just thank you for these precious young ones. I thank you that they've experienced the, the, the gift of salvation when they put their hearts and their, their trust in Jesus. And we just bless them. We thank you for your protection over them. And we just call forth the callings and the giftings that you placed in them. And they're going to walk in them fully. And they're not going to wait until they're adults. To start following you seriously. They're going to start that right now. And it's not they're not going to look like adult Christians. They're going to be children Christians. But they're going to walk with you with their whole hearts. And I thank you, Father, that they're going to learn and grow how to walk with you in the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you that the stuff that would try to pull them away, whether they go to college or the military or into careers or whatever, that they're going to still walk with you every day for the rest of their lives. And they're going to be powerful ministers of the gospel. And they're going to proclaim and demonstrate your kingdom. Your kingdom. In Jesus' name. And Father, those that are, that are standing who have committed their lives to you and giving their lives back to you, I thank you for your grace on them. I thank you for visiting them in a special, specific way. That is meaningful to them. I thank you that they are forgiven. And I thank you, Father, for that. Desire them to embrace their calling. And embrace your desires for their lives. And we bless them. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You guys may go and be seated with your parents. Thank you for helping me. You guys all stand with me. Now, what Christmas gift I'm going to give you today, besides me taking a shower and dressing up nicely, <laughs> the other gift is our service is going to be shorter than normal, so that you can go home and do all kinds of fun, crazy, wonderful things with your families. But what I'd like to invite you to do now with us is, because it's Jesus' birthday with some how we just kind of in a sense, instead of singing happy birthday to him, we're going to worship him. How's that? Good. I just want to invite you guys to join me. Thank you. Good. 